And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OutofLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight's show will not focus on metaphysics or current events. Our featured guest is a fierce competitor who's going to offer you the skills and mental perspectives needed to be successful in a post-pandemic world. More than half the people in the U.S. don't have a job, and the economic outlook is pretty grim. So you have to do whatever you can to, to, to take care of yourself, take care of your family, and this gentleman offers a lot of fresh perspectives on that. I would say that our featured guest is one of the fiercest competitors I've ever had the honor of working with. I've known him for 10 years, and he just demands so much and he demands a lot of himself and the people that he works with and being in the presence of someone like that has had a very positive impact not only on me my business partner mark and even my business partner mark he's very competitive he's very driven and he's exceptionally skillful at what he does and being in his presence all the time he motivates me and inspires me to be better and I think that's one of the greatest things about life is if you work with people and you seek out people that are driven, that just want success so bad, it's going to rub off on you. In addition to working with people who are successful, I love temporarily losing to them and facing that pain of losing to them because that motivates me to, to get a lot stronger and put on a better performance the next time I'm in their presence. If somebody is successful and they yell at you, and they're doing it from a good place. It's one of the nicest compliments they can give you. But in the course of your life, I mean, there's wonderful teachers around. There could be people in all walks of life. You have no idea where they're coming from, but they could all be great teachers. And hopefully, if you're in the presence and they're very competitive with you, they'll force your hand and force you to become a better person. Let us begin tonight's program. It is a great honor to welcome to the program Marco Greenberg, president of Thunder 11. He's also author of a great new book called Primitive, Tapping the Primitive Drive That Powers the World's Most Successful People. Mr. Greenberg, welcome to the program. Happy to have you with us. Brian, stop the mister. Call me Marco. Marco, okay. I want to let everyone know that for over 10 years I have worked and learned from Marco, I have to say that he is uh, very excellent at what he does, incredible publicist. And Marco, one of the things I, I love uh, about you and have learned so much about you is the intensity, your intensity when you want to do something and you put your mind on something. It is as if like nothing else matters. So can you please talk about that focus and how you foster and manifest that competitiveness? Uh, first of all, thank you for the kind words and they're mutual. We're always learning from each other. And certainly I've learned a ton from you, Ryan, and from your partner, my, uh, Mark, as well. So 
Um, it's very much uh, mutual respect. Um, in terms of the intensity, gosh, I think it just was inborn. It was one of those things that for me is instinct, innate. Um, it comes with the territory. I think a lot of us have been told uh, in a society that walks around and says, hey, we got to chill out. It's all good. It is what it is. That sometimes being intense is not in vogue. Um, I, however, have felt that being intense is equivalent to being in the creative zone, being in the competitive zone. And those are places that I want to be and that I'm most productive. So whether you call it being hungry or intense or competitive or ready to roll up your sleeves, I still think it's one of those things that's existed for tens of thousands of years and we need to honor it and we need to leverage it rather than trying to squash it by convincing ourselves that it's all good as we're seeing right now in COVID-19. Sometimes it is not always all good. And your book, Primitive, talks about what life's gonna be like in our different reality. I mean, we're in a totally different world right now. How do you think it's going to be different as far as going after a position or career and how do you tap into a primitive mindset. Can you please talk about the concept, what you talk about in your book? Yeah, absolutely. So, so the, the subtitle of the primitive is tapping the primal drive that powers the world's most successful people. I've been fortunate to have a ringside seat as a PR guy, ironically, some might say, uh, but it gives you that perspective when you're with CEOs of Fortune 1000 companies, when you're with founders of unicorn tech companies, when you're working alongside mad scientists, uh, crazy artists, as, as I have done in, in my own career, you gain a certain perspective of what separates them from the pack. And oftentimes, they are free spirits. They march to their own drummer. So think of everyone from Sir Richard Branson to Elon Musk. Think of everyone from Ariana Huffington to Oprah Winfrey. They don't play by the same civilized rule book as everyone else of uh, crossing their T's, dotting their I's, standing in line. If anything, they cut the line. They leapfrog the line. The good news is you don't have to be, as what I say is an uber primitive, in order to tap into some of this positive primal energy. And for those that are wondering, when I say primitive, I am reclaiming a word that I know is loaded. It has connotations. I mean it in the most positive, pure sense. It's really about childlike wonder. Like think of animals and, and kids and nature. It's what is instinct. It, what, it's what is uh, organic. Um, it's not necessarily what we were taught to do in school, but it's what in our heart and in our bodies and our minds we know is right. I'll just cut to the chase. We have an acronym to allow people to leverage their more primal qualities. It's called roaming. Uh, R is for relentless, and it doesn't just mean working hard. Sometimes it's pivoting, changing directions, or even quitting. O is for oppositional, having the courage to challenge people, especially people that you are in a subordinate relationship to. So you are their subordinate. They are your superiors. You, know, have, to, you have to know how to do that without getting fired agnostic, yes, a religious term to a certain degree, or non-religious, 
but it means that you can feel comfortable jumping from field to field, job to job, et cetera. Um, on that religious track, on that spiritual track, messianic uh, is the middle of roaming. And it's really for people that see their work as more than just purpose, but it's their divine calling. Insecure, you heard that right. We're not talking about false bravado and uh, swagger. We're talking about embracing your fear and doing it anyways, the title of a self help book from the 1970s said. Um, and then finally, we talked about nuts. A lot of the most successful people, Ryan, I think you'd agree with me. They're friggin' crazy. The good yep. kind of crazy. <laughs> they're impulsive. They're, mm. they're exactly, they're eccentric. They're spontaneous. They're extemporaneous. They're all these things that sometimes we're told not to do according to a world led by AI and big data and a lot of process. Finally, they're G, they're gallant. So they care for the others. So Long story short, I think it's more important to go roaming now than ever in the wake of COVID-19. Uh, just putting out your line to try to get a job via Indeed or LinkedIn as if you're fishing, waiting for a bite, is not going to work. Instead, you have to hunt. You have to put the hunt back in job hunt and go out there and identify your targets and infiltrate that organization and find any way in your means to form a positive impression and get hired. And sometimes that means doing what you're not supposed to do. And sometimes that means taking a job that you think is beneath you. Marco, the course of 10 years I've known you, I mean, every campaign you work on, you always put so much into it and you're always successful. And I look at you like you're very successful. You've pretty much, you got everything. What drives you? What is the thing that absolutely wants, puts you in a place where you wanna to continue to be at that intensified level? Do you feel that in some way, shape, or form that just the attitude of having that attitude of being successful and the attitude of being competitive, is, is that a rush for you? Is it a rush to be in a highly competitive spirit? Or do you do it for other reasons? Do you have other factors that are within you that continue to motivate you to compete and to create? Great question. Well, it's ironic that oftentimes people see us in a different way than we see ourselves. So although I appreciate your kind words, in my book, I'm actually one of the poster children for insecure. Um, I don't run away from my anxiety. I don't run away from um, periodic bouts of depression. Instead, I embrace it, I weaponize it, I use it to make me better. I do not rest on my laurels. I wrote a piece in Business Insider that you might remember, Brian, a couple of months ago on how I lost $25 million in, in one phone call, and I don't regret it, and it was my decision. And I am never someone to go off and retire and play golf. I need to be on the field. I need to mix it up. And you bet, I need to feel the adrenaline rush to feel that I'm in the game and I'm being creative and creating opportunities for myself and those I love. And uh, I can't imagine any other way. I think part of it can stem from uh, a, an inconsistent but loving childhood, one that I saw a lot of things that most people haven't seen, um, whether it was moving 37 times in my life, whether it was drug abuse, mental illness of parents, et cetera, et cetera. It taught me that the world is a fragile place and things can fall apart very quickly. Um, in my book, it's not religious by any means, but I do refer to the different faiths. And 
one of the symbols in Judaism, which is my faith, not surprisingly, with a name like Greenberg, uh, Mr. McCormick, <laughs> um, yep. I, 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 I talk about the sukkah, and that's the deliberately impermanent shelter that during the high holidays after Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, Jews are told to eat in, sometimes sleep in, and it's fragile. It can be blown away. It can be torn down. It's just a bunch of reeds and sticks. And that's precisely the point. That if we get too comfortable, if we rest on our laurels, if we think someone is never going to eat our lunch, uh, we're going to be disappointed. So we, we need to stay agile, nimble, fleet. And I think, again, that message is applicable now when we're in a very primal time where we're dealing with things like our own mortality face-to-face sustenance, shelter, security, safety. It's a heartbreaking time for many. Uh, Over 30 million have applied for unemployment. It's going to get worse. But part of it is, is, is keeping the faith and keeping proactive and taking initiative and not waiting until someone calls you, but to call them first. Definitely agree with you on that one. Especially in our business is a little unusual because we're working with people from all different backgrounds. And when it comes to insecurity, how does a person engage a client, engage a customer, providing them the security that you're going to do an amazing job for them, it's giving them the peace of mind that if they sign with you, if they give their, their money to you, that, you're, that they're going to get the best service possible, while at the same time knowing that you probably are more insecure about uh, things in your life than they may ever be because I, I, in one way I think it's weird like the insecurity I think it's actually been a very positive thing because it, it just makes me more proactive or at least puts people in fear that to do more action so how do you perceive the insecurity do you how do you present confidence and calmness to people you're going to work with even though you may not even have it yourself in certain aspects of your life a very observant point Brian Um, It makes me think back to when I was graduating high school and I did an errand for my dad and it was between graduation and and my freshman year in college. And I dropped off an envelope to one of his associates and working in reception was a terrific young woman who I really wanted to go out with, but I didn't have the courage to ask her out. And she saw me and I felt my face go bright red. And I was so embarrassed. This is not something an 18-year-old macho kid wants to turn bright red, right? And I went down and I told my dad what happened. He said, son, it's okay. You're showing you're human. You're showing you're vulnerable. You're showing your feeling. She probably thought it was cute. And it took me decades to really internalize what my dad was saying. He was right. So yes, we can be confident in our abilities and we can be proactive in going after opportunities, but we also have to realize that um, bluster and overconfidence and arrogance, these are turnoffs. People don't like that. People want balance, right? So on one hand, you walk into a client and want to show the enthusiasm and the track record 
and the fact that you're going to give it your best shot. And ironically, part of that fire in the belly comes from some insecurity that you don't know at all, that this time might not work. It's, it's kind of, you know, man going outside the cave and not being sure, you know, tens of thousands of years ago if we were going to get eaten up. So I think people like that. People need that. But we've been taught that the imposter syndrome is a bad thing. I've had the imposter syndrome all my life. Let me tell you something. I wouldn't be here where I am today without some of the imposter syndrome. If the fire gets too high, that's a bad thing. But in moderation, with the low flame, it can really take you to new places. I appreciate your answer, Marco. Thank you. And your book, you talk about being relentless, going after your goals with intensity. And I know that there are some people who say, okay, well, I'm going to work, you know, 60, 70 hours a week, yet they're not utilizing those hours to their benefit. They're, they're people who some would call professional strugglers. Like they're kind of just putting on a show to try to convince themselves that they're working very hard. I was wondering, what, what is your perspective on that? And what are the types of hours that a person should be putting in? How do you make the most of your time when you want to get something done? And what is a typical day for you? If, if Tim Ferriss was on the show, he tout the four-hour work week. God bless him. I don't know how he does it. I certainly can't do it. I don't think most people can do it. But I think the idea has validity in the sense of let's be mobile, let's be efficient, let's not do stuff that we don't want to do. Let's realize, and this is a primal trait, that life is very short and we've got to maximize our, our time here on planet Earth. Uh, for me, relentless, which is the R in roaming, is not just, as I said, about working hard. I know people who are very persistent, who are very stubborn, who work 18 hours a day, and they might as well be a hamster in the wheel. They're going nowhere. I know other people that can take time off, that can come to work at you know, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, and that are amazingly productive. So I think it's a very individual thing. For me, Ryan, I am most productive early in the morning. I've always been an early morning person. Uh, my wife is convinced I'm a farmer at heart. Um, I get up when, you know, when the crowing starts in the farm and the hens are ready to do their thing. And um, I, I just can't help it. But I turn into a vegetable after 9 p.m. Some people are the opposite. And I think knowing your type is also kind of what primitive is about is to what extent are you these traits that we talked about? And to what extent are you more civilized? And the good news is we need both, right? We, it's a yin-yang kind of relationship, kind of like right brain, left brain, extrovert, introvert, uh, entrepreneur versus corporate. Um, we need each other to take our career to the next place. And you got to honor what's right for you. If I tried to be a night person, I'd be a miserable failure. If I tried to be an accountant, I'd jump out the window. People should stop in the words of a famous uh, late psychologist, Albert Ellis, the founder of behavioral ther therapy. People need to stop shooting on themselves. They need to stop the masturbation. Do you engage in masturbation, Ryan? Do I engage in must? No, I try to avoid it. Master, uh, the other, the, the latter, I, the, I, don't to, I try not to. Okay. So uh, the yeah. idea is it puts you in the corner, and and, and it, it it it's 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 
either yes, no, black, white, good, bad. Whereas, you know, you try something, it doesn't work. You go on to the next thing. You're not treating it as life and death. Um, yet you can be intense about it. You can be even messianic about it. You know, when you first said the word, I thought it was something else at first. And it was like, wait a second, because I, I just wanted to verify <laughs> real quick on it. But, um, well, that was a little deliberate on my part. I was trying to confuse you, Ryan. <laughs> oh, I, I just I repeat the word. I know. The word that was said was must Masturbation. That's what I, that's what I, that's what I thought. That's why I, I was just making, making sure I did a double take. Was, I don't think your listeners would dare me. No, I think they would def- definitely hear that. Um, in your experience, what has been maybe two of the toughest lessons in life and in business that you've learned that and what did you learn from them like how hard was it to overcome and are you still uh, you know learning from those experiences let me talk about two and uh both are in the category of quote always learning uh i i i I don't want to be the obnoxious guest and butter you up and say how much you are a great question be who you are but yeah but um uh, I like to compliment people, and I do it in a genuine way when they deserve it. Uh, the two big lessons in the always learning category was a tagline I developed for an educational training software company that always learning, right? Because we're always learning. Um, two areas. One is don't believe your own publicity. And two is you can't avoid making bad hires. Let me start with the first. Uh, the biggest setback I had in business, I lost $2 million and four or five years of time uh, on a web video company before YouTube. Um, we got great write-ups in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Best of New York Magazine, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I learned as a friend who's a venture capitalist, Scott Tobin of Battery Ventures told me, don't believe your own pro- publicity. Great publicity, great product, not a budget for the product. Uh, didn't work. I didn't know about it. I was getting, I was losing money on every job. I was gaining a lot of wisdom. And that's the way you learn. As people say, you learn from tough times. And, and I had some tough times there and I learned a lot. Um, I, I guess the lesson is you know, you can venture out and you can step on some landmines and survive and be made stronger for it. You don't have to reproach yourself, critique yourself, um, beat yourself up afterwards if it didn't work. Secondly, you can get a lot of, there's something beautiful in our country called uh, carryover taxes. The current president knows about that. And uh, I learned something about that as well. Um, The second is uh, you can't avoid bad hires. people, everyone these days has a great rap. You're never going to figure someone out until you get in the trenches and see how bad they want it. Um, see if they're more civilized or, or, or primal and you need both. But I can tell you one trait of some very civilized people that I, I, I bristle at, which is the tendency to engage in analysis paralysis, to overthink to have all the data and then some before they make a decision. Um, our ancestors didn't have that luxury. That's why there's a part of our brain called the primitive brain, which was long disparaged 
by civilized neuroscientists saying, well, it's really fight or flight, it's quick, it doesn't process, it's not as sophisticated as the cerebral brain. And cerebral people are thought of as smart. Um, I'm going to turn that logic on its head and say we need to be primitive more now than ever. And it doesn't mean we have to be cruel or coarse or crude. Quite the contrary. There's a quote in my book, not one of mine, but from uh, a, a late psychologist who was trained at Harvard ma- named Judith Rich Harris. And she said, quote, the jungle might be bloody, but it is not devoid of love and loyalty, unquote. That's a really great quote. And um, Marco, the final question I have for you is that because we're in this new reality, a new reality where people, they're not hugging each other, they're, they're really not being around each other. When I see about that, I see humans as a community-based species. So how does this quote-unquote new normal fit in or even kind of rub against your primitive nature? I mean. Do you feel that because um, the world has changed so differently that this is going to be a temporary way or we're going to have to revert back to a reality where we're going to be uh, we're going to be hugging and holding each other again? I'm wondering how much of a deprivation of those basic activities that human beings have come to know and love will affect your primitive brain and your ability to be successful. I'm wondering if they just keep on depriving that. Right. Well, I'm not a neuroscientist, okay. a PR guy like you are. I can say that anecdotally, hearing from clients that are uh, very down uh, in a world without hugs, right? That's not a world that a lot of us want to live in. So hopefully sooner rather than later that we can engage in hugging again. But I think to answer your question, what is this COVID-19 era ushering in? Um, I'm going to try to be a little counterintuitive here, not deliberately so, just playing contrarian for contrarian's sake, but just to posit a different reality, which is, yes, we need the very civilized um, domain experts in public health preventing this disease from spreading. But sooner rather than later, we're all going to be back at work. And it's not just going to be Zoom calls. It's not just going to be online education. People need other people. They need other people to be hired. They need other people for love. They need other people for nourishment. They need the touch of other people. And if anything, I think especially with college students, they are itching to get back on campus. So a lot of these primal, innate, uh, instinctive, sometimes impulsive traits we need to honor. And if anything, they're more needed now when we have to be resourceful and think different to put food on the table. So it's not just um, going back to where you thought your cheese was. It's literally and figuratively a chapter of who moved my cheese and realize our cheese got moved. And maybe that degree that we got, or maybe that last job we got, or maybe that, you know, extension course or all the training we had has to be uh, readapted, recalibrated for a very different world. Mr. Marco Greenberg, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Again, Marco is a co-founder, president of Thunder 11, PR, an excellent PR firm. He's also author of the new book, 
Primitive. You can learn more about the book by going to primitivebook.com. And again, I want to let everyone know that for the last 10 years, I've learned so much from Marco. He's one of the people I have a world of respect for. I consider him a dear friend and an excellent, excellent teacher. So, Marco, thank you for being with us today. Well, very kind, Brian. I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, I know we'll be in touch. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of In Truth radio show. Special thanks to our featured guest, Marco Greenberg, and special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Constance Dallas, and Ms. Lisa McGarity, and also thanks to our associate producer, Ms. Jenny Lamessa, who does an amazing job at Instagram. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take care, and thank you so much for listening.